You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Awkward and uncomfortable, this is the place. Welcome to the program. We made it to a Friday. Oh, it's a special Meat Friday. It's a Thanksgiving Meat Friday. Four Traegers are fired up this morning. Smoked turkey, sausage stuffing, smoked green bean casserole, homemade cranberry sauce, smoked blueberry pie. No, 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 no. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on in. Stay a while. A lot of topics to dive into. Our buddy Brady Quinn will join us on loan from Fox Sports. We'll ask him, is Mel Tucker worth almost $10 million a year to Michigan State? And if I'm him, I sign that contract before Saturday where you're almost a 20-point underdog against the Ohio State. But what if they win? Does he then ask for more money? Brady will join us coming up. Jeff Van Gundy will talk about the highs and lows of the Lakers. And uh, we'll also check in with our good buddy Darius Rucker, three-time Grammy winner. He'll join us a little bit later on. Phone calls are welcome. Emails, tweets, all the above. Say good morning to our radio lineup, the great folks at Fox Sports Radio and iHeartRadio, numbering nearly 400 cities around America. Also, we're live on Peacock. Download the app. Watch for free all three hours. Play of the day, poll questions, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. Make sure you uh, go to danpatrick.com. All the merchandise you need for your holiday shopping. We got t-shirts, calendars. We got uh, a DP show puzzle. We got Penny's Bang Biscuits. We got Todd's Limerick greeting cards and a whole lot more. All available at danpatrick.com. Hard to decipher Mac Jones's numbers over the last two games. Because the Patriots rookie has been really accurate. 19-23 in the blowout win against the Browns. 22-26 in a shutout over the Falcons last time. He threw for 198 against Cleveland and 207 against Atlanta. But this is what Bill Belichick wants. He seems perfectly happy to have a conservative passing attack, really good running game, and a stout defense. And last night that D was the star shutting out Matt Ryan in the Falcons. Jones had one pick when he tried to push the ball downfield, tried to force it in there. And really, that's the knock on him. The big knock was his arm strength coming out of Alabama. But uh, the Patriots are going to need him to throw the ball deep more often later in the season. But they're winning. They're 7-4, and and they're in a really good position for a playoff spot. And if they get there, we've seen Bill Belichick, with this style, win a Super Bowl. But if that's the first time you watch Mac Jones, you probably went, "Um, what's the big deal here? Not much going on. But this is what Bill Belichick wants. Not much going on. Move the chains. Even his touchdown pass. Routine. Simple. Uh, Blown coverage by the Falcons. But you're watching him, and he's getting praise because he is taking care of the football. This used to be the role of a quarterback. A lot of quarterbacks back in the 60s and 70s, certainly in the 70s. Uh, I've mentioned Bart Starr and Bob Greasy weren't prolific passers. They managed a game. They went into the Hall of Fame because they managed games. And sometimes this is what you have. I maintain Alex Smith did that for most of his career, certainly in Kansas City. You maintain, you manage a game. And Mac Jones is doing that. Justin Fields has more talent. Okay. Is he going to be better than Mac Jones? He's not in a better situation. And that's what a lot of this comes down to. 
If I put Mac Jones in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence in New England, are we having a different conversation? Yeah. If I put Mac Jones with the Jets, Zach Wilson with the Patriots, are we having a different conversation? Yeah, we are. But a lot of this has to do with if you're successful early, it has to do with your situation. Dak Prescott went to the Cowboys. They went all in on their offense. I don't hear anybody saying, you know, if Dak played for Jacksonville, exactly. He'd be okay. Patrick Mahomes went in and he took over a playoff team. He's got a Hall of Fame coach. He's got probably a couple of Hall of Fame players there, the skilled position. But nobody talks about that. If Patrick Mahomes was in Jacksonville, we'd go, man, that guy, pretty uh, pretty uh, incredible, athletic, crazy throws. They wouldn't be winning any more than what they are probably. It's being in the right place, right time, right system. That's where you look at success. There are a lot of quarterbacks who had a lot of talent, but they got buried because they went to bad situations. That's the reason why you got the opportunity to draft the quarterback because you were a bad team, bad franchise. Uh, interchangeable coaches, offensive coordinators change. Uh, you don't invest in the offensive line. You don't have weapons. I mean, look, Tom Brady goes to New England. He takes over a team that's a playoff team. He takes over for Drew Bledsoe, wins his first Super Bowl. Got the greatest coach of all time. Interchangeable parts. Two things stayed the same, quarterback and the coach. So, so much of this is, Who do you have as your coach? What's the system? What's the offensive philosophy? I don't know if Justin Fields is better than Mac Jones. If they did something novel like block for him, then maybe we'd be able to find that out. Is Mac Jones the best quarterback right now? Yes. But if I said they were stocks, you're going to buy a stock. Are you buying Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance? Because those stock prices are probably going to be different. But are you going to invest in Mac Jones and say he's going to be a great quarterback, good quarterback, serviceable quarterback? Is Trevor Lawrence going to be a Hall Is somebody going to be a Hall of Famer out of this group? Right? Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be a Hall of Famer. He's a generational quarterback. He's the next version of Andrew Luck here. Is Trey Lance? What if the Niners had taken Mac Jones? Would Mac Jones be even playing? What if the Saints had drafted Patrick Mahomes when they were looking to draft Patrick Mahomes and took uh, Marshawn Lattimore? He would have been sitting behind Drew Brees for far longer than he did with Alex Smith. Maybe they move on a year early. So So it's crazy when we look at this and go, that quarterback, well, there's a whole lot more than that quarterback. Mac Jones didn't win the game last night, and it really shouldn't be a topic today. It should be the Falcons are terrible, embarrassing. And you start to wonder, if I'm Matt Ryan, do I want to continue to play? He's running for his life, and he can't run. Patriots got a good philosophy here but it's a philosophy we've seen run the football make some good plays throw the ball play defense try not to make mistakes uh wow real shocker there what the patriots are trying to do this is what they do 
Now, you did have a couple of seasons where, you know, you had Brady and Randy Moss and Belichick smart enough to understand, let's take advantage of this. And they did. But his blueprint is run the ball, don't make mistakes. No, run the ball, don't make mistakes, play good defense. And then get to the postseason. That's it. Yeah, Paul. I think what's most fascinating with the, with the Patriots is guys they let go and guys that come back. Like Kyle Van Noy might be going to the Pro Bowl this year. If you hadn't seen Kyle Van Noy play in a couple of years since he went down to Miami, you think, oh, Kyle Van Noy, is, he's a Pro Bowler. Yeah. You know, that kid Kyle Duggar they took out of Lenore Ryan. I think that's a Division II school. I thought they drafted Lenore Ryan. Right. When I saw it, and I go, oh, wait, they drafted somebody out of Lenore Ryan. And he's playing well. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the Ramondre Stevenson, all these running backs that they never pay and they just churn out. Yes, McLovin. Is it possible we are perpetually underrating Mac Jones because he looks like a dork? His name's Mac. He was a three-star recruit. We said the same thing at Alabama. Oh, he's just taking advantage of all the, the situation around him. And now we're saying it in New England. Maybe he has this quality that is hard to appreciate what he's doing. Okay, but we've been down this road with A.J. McCarron before. Yeah. And, and it didn't work out. Greg McElroy didn't do anything no, in the pros. No. I thought that Dan Orlovsky made a great point about Mac Jones when he joined us a couple of uh, days ago. He said, look, this guy was against the number one defense in America every single practice. He's on the scout team. So these are real practices where Saban is probably saying, hey, Let's go. Let's shut down this offense. And Mac Jones is there. How could you? There's no better way to prepare for going into the NFL. If you're not going to be a two-year starter, three-year starter, you go against that Alabama defense every single day. You can't get away with things with them. And I think it really has helped the transition here. That I don't think he looks at the game. Remember Justin Fields' first game? Man. Game is a little slower than what I thought. And I'm like, ooh, don't say that. Don't say that. Way too early. Mac Jones could probably say that and get away with it because he's going against that Alabama defense every single day. Now, was the throw a bad throw? Yeah, it was. But that's where he's he'll know his limitations. He'll learn his limitations with Belichick. But last night, there was nothing really to see there other than Atlanta is embarrassing. <laughs> they are. I mean, now there was part of me that when it got to 25 to 3, could the somehow the Patriots make it 28 to 3 against Atlanta? Like I was hoping for just give me something to look forward to. And then the exciting part was you had every quarterback who played in the game through an interception. I didn't know if it's happened before. I asked McLovin, I said, can, you know, can you uh Check with our buddy and see if uh, you know we can find that four quarterbacks, our stat guy. Uh, McLevin, four quarterbacks. So last night, Mac Jones, Matt Ryan, Josh Rosen, and Felipe Franks, come on down, all through interceptions. you got to love the consistency of the uh, Falcons quarterback system. Yeah. But, so, But our buddy John Tuvey, did uh, he come up with the information here? Yeah, and I think, okay... Paul, help me with this. So there's four times since 2000 where four different players have thrown interceptions in the same game. Now, last night, uh, in 2017, Carson Palmer, Drew Stan, Sean Mannion, and Farrell Cooper, wide receiver, threw picks. In 
2008, McNabb, Cobb, Deshaun Jackson, a wide receiver through picks. But then in uh, 2000, McNabb, Detmer, Randall Cunningham, Troy Aikman all through picks. So only once since 2000. All right. So it's very rare. I was surprised. McLovin, there's... Will you stop? No, no. Stop. What are you doing? You I'm see, just shocked by this stat. I know, but no. When you give the stat, you shut up. Kevin Cobb's in there. Can you blame me for being excited here? Can you hear me? McLovin. Huh? Yes. What's going on here? What? <laughs> Can you guys hear me? What do you mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> What's going on? Okay. Okay. All right. You know what's tough about buying stock in a quarterback, though, is you're also buying the location. So are you buying stock in Mac Jones, or are you buying stock in the Patriots quarterback? It's all all thrown in there. That changes everything. Okay. Are you bu- Okay. If you're buying stock... Uh, what, McLovin? Yeah, Moody's just downgraded Justin Fields because of his location big time. <laughs> Although people pointing out Justin Fields went to a playoff team. Mac Jones didn't. Yes, Paul. You would just be buying, Ma- aren't you buying Mac Jones stock too late now because it's Mac Jones week? It's like everyone got it. If you would have gotten his stock in July, you'd be crushing. Yeah, but who was going to buy the, his stock in July? Because people didn't think New England was going to be a playoff team. And Mac Jones, is he any good? Remember the killing I made on that Russell Wilson stock yes, in did. Seattle when yes, everyone else did. liked Matt Flynn? Yeah. I bought a truck off that. Man. Got in early on that. Yep. IPO. You know, that IPO. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You went in all all in on Russell Wilson <laughs> Jr. And I, you know, I tried to short the Kirk D. Cousins stock. I tried to do that. I gave it all back on my Mitch Trubisky stock yeah. after he went to the Pro Bowl, though. I gave it all back. <laughs> you were bullish. Uh, I I I was bullish on Tim Couch. I lost a bundle on uh, that stock. You know, he was pretty good those first couple of years. Yeah, he was just on a bad team. It's 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 the surroundings that you have. Deshaun Watson went to a, a decent Texans team. Now, what he did last year was miraculous, miraculous, but you got to go to a good team. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays for Chicago, are they any better? How come you always go to Chicago? I don't know. When you say I, well, I, I was going to say Jacksonville, <laughs> but I thought, oh, let me go to Chicago. I, like he's surrounded by weapons in San Francisco, good running game, offensive minded head coach. Like it helps that you go to those places because when you go to Detroit, you know, Jared Goff's in Detroit. Is it Jared or him? Is it Zach Wilson or the Jets? I'm always going to opt for it's the team's fault. You know, can Jared Goff play? Yes. But he was playing on a team that had weapons and an offensive-minded head coach, and they got to the Super Bowl. But, you know, is he going to do anything in Detroit? No, he's not. Probably won't be a starter after this season. So, a long-winded way of saying Mac Jones didn't do anything last night, but this was more about the Falcons being bad and the Patriots. Patriots are dangerous. I guess that's the best word I can use for them right now. All right, we'll come up with a poll question. Got a play of the day. A couple more stats of the day, but we'll take a break. Brady Quinn will join us. Michigan State is on the verge of paying their head coach, who has coached 29 games. He's 16-13 and 13 as a head coach. Almost as much as Nick Saban gets at Alabama. I got an update, college football update as well, on the playoff, playoffs, and uh, voting on are they going to expand to 12 teams? When? 
have that for you coming up as well. Take a break. We're back after this. Dan Patrick Show. It's amazing. Discover matches all the cash back you earn in your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. No limit on how much you can earn. It's amazing. Even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards take Discover. And that means when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. You'll learn a whole lot more at discover.com slash yes. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This program brought to you by the great folks at Masterclass. You want to cook like Gordon Ramsay? You want to sing like Mariah Carey? Gift them Masterclass, unlimited access, online classes for the world's best. Now you can give one annual Masterclass membership. Get one free at masterclass.com slash Patrick. Terms do apply. Told you I'd have some information here from a source that uh, I've been in contact with this morning. 12-team playoff is a go, but they want to get it done for next season. If it's not approved in December... The playoff won't be a go with 12 teams until 2025. We're going to know in the next couple of weeks if we're going to be expanding to 12-team playoff for next season, and if they don't get it passed, then it's going to be 2025. I don't have any reasons uh, yet from my source, but they did table this. It was supposed to be done, I was told, last month. They moved it to December. Now you have this vote. And if it doesn't pass, then we're looking at 2025. Make way for Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. And, of course, the uh, radio host on Fox Sports Radio, Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox, the show that precedes ours on Fox Sports Radio. Let me start with that, Brady. What do you make of that vote coming up in December and the likelihood that we might not have a 12-team playoff until 2025? I'm keeping my fingers crossed and, and praying to the college football gods that we do expand. Um, I, I think the college football playoff has had a ton of momentum. And we've gotten to a point now where we've seen there's flaws in the process of the 13-person committee picking the four teams to play off for it. Um, there's just It's an unlevel comparison between conferences, between schedules, and, and those and the, and the likes. So I think we've gotten to a point now where expansion brings intrigue back to college football in the playoff again. It allows brands like Cincinnati, who I don't know if they'll end up making it in the top four this year or not. We can have a debate all we want about whether or not they're deserving, um, but it allows them then the chance to actually make it into a playoff and, and let's see what they can do. And let's see if they can make a run. But I think greater than that, Dan, it, it really allows – more parity in college football. Right now, what you're seeing, when you see a five-star, four-star recruit and you listen to these commitments, a lot of times they're saying, I want to go to Alabama because I want a chance at going and winning the SEC and winning a national championship. You know, a lot of kids are seeing that when they go to some of the top schools, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, you're hearing them say this. And the problem is, is those guys aren't looking someplace closer to home because they feel like there's just no shot of going to play in the playoff. You expand this to 12 teams, I think not – exactly like March Madness, but you get a team like Gonzaga that was once viewed as a Cinderella story that's now viewed as a powerhouse. And it might take some time to build it to that, but I think it'll help build that narrative for some of those programs and create more parity. So, um, you know, could it get done in a couple weeks? 
I hope so. It's not that complicated. We made so many adjustments over last year with COVID. Why not? And you already had a 12 uh, team or playoff proposal that you know was being worked on for two years by Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director of Notre Dame, and a few other conference commissioners. So it shouldn't be that hard to put it together. It just really comes down to the alignment where these games are played and how they go about structuring, I think, the first round of that 12-team playoff. What's your reaction to this proposed uh, 10-year contract for $90 million for Mel Tucker at Michigan State? Um, And you got the game against Ohio State this weekend where they're 19-point underdogs. You've beaten Michigan twice, but he's only coached, what, 29 games, 28 games, and now you're going to put him up on par with uh, Nick Saban with what he makes at Alabama? What am I missing here? Uh, well, did you ever see that movie, The Perfect Storm, with George Clooney? Um, I did, but I honestly can't remember how it ends. I don't think it ends well. No, no, maybe it doesn't work here. out well. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe that's the case here, too, because I think this week at Ohio State may end up giving Michigan State the business. And by the way, probably even Penn State after that. Like, they could go on a two-game skid after announcing this. But it really was the perfect storm. When you think about the track record of Mel Tucker, remember he up and left Colorado after one year. And so he's already shown the propensity to do something like that, even though he's only been at Michigan State now for two years. So that was probably a concern. You have all these big programs now, LSU in particular, that I think we both know is the one that was probably throwing out some big figures or big numbers at him, trying to lure him back to the SEC where he once was a defensive coordinator. So that plays into the structure of the contract and the value. But you, you then have you know, a program that has kind of turned some things around. And so I think they're trying to build off this momentum. They're trying to build off this intrigue into the program. And, and he's able to strike on it when he's one of the most wanted mans, probably not only in college football. I wouldn't be shocked if there's not a few NFL teams, given his NFL pedigree in the past, that didn't look in on it. So when you give him a deal like this, he's basically saying, like, I'm staying put. You know, I don't, I, you don't have to worry about coming back to me next year, the next year, the next year, if there's a job opening. I'm staying put here at Michigan State. It looks like a lot of money. But I do think if you, as you project forward, all these coaches' contracts are only going to go up with a Big Ten um, TV rights deal coming up soon. I think schools are going to look at other revenue models as well, like, like professional sports things with gambling to figure out how to capitalize on some of that too. So it always seems like a lot now. I think five years down the road, though, you'll see a lot more coaches who are up in this stratosphere as far as what he's being compensated. Yeah, they're going to go in and say, I want the Mel Tucker deal. Hey, I, what, what, what are you uh, looking for? Uh, Mel Tucker money is what I'm, I'm looking at. And how is Lane Kiffin possibly up for the job or be interested or whatever it's rumored, reported that Lane Kiffin is on the short list to take over at, at the U? What do you... yeah, I mean, he spent some time in South Florida, you know, not, not too far away up at FAU. Uh, and so I, I think he understands how to recruit that area, whether it's back from his ties at Alabama or, or even USC when he was probably recruiting more nationally. Uh, and so I think it makes sense from that standpoint. You know, I, they've got to figure out their athletic director first. Um, I would think that'd be your first move before you go hiring yeah. your head football yeah. coach. Yeah. And they, are, they already have Manny Diaz there still. So uh, that's, you know, it gets a little bit tough to talk about when there's already somebody who's in that position right now. But Give Lane credit for what he's done. I don't care if it's FAU who he built up. Like, my wife and I used to go up to the Boca Bowl, which FAU would play in up there, um, you know, every, you know, December. And we'd go grab a burger at Shake Shack. We'd go watch football games. And 
the transition from what was before to what happened after with Lane Kiffin was dramatic. It was unlike anything I've ever seen at a smaller school and, and what he's done at Ole Miss, bringing them back to be competitive, relevant. They're talked about within the SEC. You know, Miami's looking for that. I mean, Florida State Miami played this past weekend, Dan. Did anyone talk about it? Did anyone care outside of the state of Florida? No. I mean, that's it's sad because I grew up and I was like, this was the matchup like at Ohio State, Michigan, and all these other great rivalries. That was one that you circled because you know how good both programs were. They've both taken a dip and a decline. I think Miami's desperate to get back to where they need to be. And Lane can bring that sort of buzz and this climate in college football in 2021 back to the U, in my opinion. Oh, I, look, I, I know Lane Kiffin can do it. And he, he, he makes you relevant. He, he has fun. Um, he's laughed at himself. But I never want to hear a coach complain about the transfer portal ever again. You know, you got these guys leaving after one year, two years. You know, it, I just don't just save the words here. Let these kids, if they want to come and go, because if they go to play for a coach, then they should have that opportunity to go and play for another coach that they want to play for. Now they finally have. I, I think where coaches complain about the transfer portal is when other teams are trying to poach players on your current team yeah. that aren't playing. Yeah. That's, that's where this thing gets tricky. And this is how it works. It's actually pretty simple. They basically have a kid on their roster, contact, who maybe was a high school teammate or, or played against him in high school. They contact that player, social media, text, what have you. And they start the conversation usually through his high school coach. And they're like, hey, he's not playing. He's pretty unhappy. Can you hit him up? You know, tell us what you think. And that's kind of the grassroots of what's going on behind the scenes. So when you hear coaches complain about the transfer portal, it's more because in some cases they're making decisions in game that have to do with other teams trying to poach the guys already on their roster that maybe are sitting behind a guy who's going to go to the NFL next year. And, and they don't want to be patient enough to wait. They don't want to wait on that opportunity. And so I think that's where more of the frustration comes from is you having to recruit, <laughs> having to recruit transfers, JUCOs, you know, obviously incoming freshmen to your program, but also the guys on your own roster, because especially at talented schools, everyone's trying to poach them. He's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio analyst. The uh, big noon kickoff on Fox in Norman. It's Oklahoma and uh, Iowa State. Um, give me the trap game this weekend. The one that you go, uh-oh. Is there one that stands out for you? Um, you could have said that about this game, I think, for Oklahoma, had they won last week. Just with Oklahoma State, you know, there for the next week in Bedlam. That was one that kind of I was thinking of going into it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously for Michigan, I, I think that's the one you're looking at. They're playing Maryland, and they've got Ohio State on the other side. And, you know, Michigan needs to win out. They need a little bit of help. But that's the one that, you know, they can't really look past Maryland. I don't think Maryland's a threat. But in reality, you know, they like to throw the football around a little bit. Rakeem Jarrett's one of the better wide receivers in college football. And and you never know if you get caught looking ahead or a sleepy environment there in Maryland. And and maybe you don't play the game you need to. I mean, it's not like Michigan's offense is the most prolific. They run the football effectively. Cade McNamara – has continued to improve throwing the football downfield, uh, in particular last week, in a, in a nice comeback win. But the, the truth of the matter is they're not Ohio State, and so they can't afford to get behind any team, in my opinion. Uh, otherwise, they kind of run that risk of potentially falling short. So what about you know, maybe you look at Michigan like that. Utah against Oregon. It's not a trap well, game. No, because I, I think it's a trap game in the sense of, like, Oregon can't afford to lose and still make the playoff. But yeah. – 
you know, really, no matter who wins, they're still going to see each other in the Pac-12 championship game. So that's the, that's the crazy thing about this matchup is Oregon can't afford to lose it. Utah probably still can. And the irony to it, too, is the way they go about picking the Rose Bowl, which is out of, you know, out of the rotation for the semifinal games. Utah has a better chance of losing this week and going to the Rose Bowl than if they happen to beat Oregon and then they go on and play each other in the Pac-12 championship game and lose that game because Oregon's not getting the playoffs. So they would probably be the team that ends up going to the Rose Bowl. So it's a weird scenario, but I don't even know if that's a trap game. I just think yeah. it's a tough game to play in Salt Lake versus a good Utah team that's really come around with Cameron Rising at quarterback for them. Is it fair to compare Mac Jones's rookie season to Tom Brady's? Well, no. I mean, Tom didn't play his rookie year, right? Well, his first so, year playing. Uh, no, I mean, the NFL is at such a different point now, too. I think when you look at the style of offense, and you know, I remember you know, Charlie Weiss coaching for two years. That was his offensive coordinator when Tom first you know, took over. And they had a great defense. They ran the football well. They mixed in some screens and then downfield shots. They didn't ask him to do a ton. Mac Jones is being asked to do a good amount within the system. The way they spread things out, they're asking to be very accurate on time with the football, uh, understanding where he needs to go with the football. I mean, Josh McDaniels really requires that from you within his system. Uh, but also, I, I think it's just the lack of them being able to really create big-time explosive plays, at least stretching the field vertically. So it's a part of what they have, but it's also a part in the product of how the games play now. It's just more spread out. So I think you look at the efficiency, you look at everything from Mac Jones, and it's incredibly impressive. But it, it's hard not to think that, you know, maybe Tom Brady would be able to do the same thing. But, you know, look, Mac Jones is a more developed player um, than, than I think Tom Brady was at that point. He was battling with Drew Henson to get into that spot. They weren't throwing the football around quite as much. I mean, Mac at least had a year to start, and obviously the replacement duty to Tua two years ago. And I, I think that prepared him well for what Josh McDaniels is asking to do right now. And I always bring this up with people when they talk about quarterbacks development, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, great quarterback, Mac Jones, great quarterback. We're not quite sure about Justin Fields or Trey. Lance. And I said, it has to do with the environment you go to, especially early. You want early success for a quarterback. You know, Mahomes goes to a team that was 12 and four. Andy Reid, offensive minded guy. I got Kelsey. I got Tyreek Hill. Okay, you're going to succeed. Dak goes to the best offensive line in football at the time. He's got a 1,500-yard rushing uh, running back. He, if, if he goes to Jacksonville, Dak Prescott is not on anybody's radar. You know, even Mahomes would be a curiosity, but he would still be like, oh, yeah, that guy's, you know, entertaining. It's that success, and you know this as well as anybody. You go to a team, and it's not a good situation, whether it's, head coach, offensive coordinator, owner, all of the above. And it's hard to succeed with that. But, you know, Situ you faced it. Yeah, situation and circumstance is paramount. So I think any player's success. You know, we talk about it with first-round quarterbacks because, you know, that's, you know, that we have the most impact on the game. We're the face of the franchise. And that's really where you build all the hype for the draft for. But I don't care what player you're talking about and, and what system they're in. Um, you know, Kendrick Bourne was looked at, the wide receiver for the New England Patriots, as maybe at best the third option in San Francisco, a special teams player. You know, now he's contributing in a much bigger way within that system because the position that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels in particular are putting him in. So, you know, you, you put Trevor Lawrence on the New England Patriots, I think he's doing the same thing Mac Jones is doing. You know, maybe Justin Fields too. 
I think with the, the rest of this quarterback class, different story. And that's not to take away from what Mac Jones has done. It's just Mac Jones entered into the best possible scenario for him, his skill set, and what he's being asked to do. And I think there's probably one or two other quarterbacks in his draft class that would have been able to excel to a degree if they were drafted to New England, but that's obviously not the circumstance. I wish blank would have drafted me. Oh, man. Now, now we're going down a slippery slope because I feel like um, you know, any team I, I say it's going to – I'll be spurring the Browns. I mean, that was my childhood team I rooted for growing up. I mean, well, you go back and you look at, like, the good teams, you know, like we played against in our division, Pittsburgh or, or Baltimore. And Baltimore is the one that I was talking to at the time during the draft. And they had that great defense. They had a great running game. And, you know, you, you would have walked into that not having to necessarily do a ton. And so I didn't get drafted there. It wasn't me. It ended up being Joe Flacco the next year. And he was able to kind of work his way in through that system to eventually go win a Super Bowl. So Baltimore is always the first one that comes to mind because they're the one that I was talking to the entire 22nd pick of the draft uh, back in 2007, trying to get to know them because they were going to take me at 23. So that was always the one I always kind of say, man, I wonder how different things would have been had I got drafted to Baltimore as opposed to Cleveland. You'd be playing for the Jets this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. That's right. Because <laughs> life comes full circle. Yes, I, I, I still ended up at some point playing for the Jets, having to go up against the Dolphins in that blitz-heavy defense. I think, so, uh, I, I think you did okay. Okay, I, I think it worked out okay for you. I'd rather... yeah, I mean, who knows? Then, then I wouldn't be here with you. you know? And then we couldn't be a part of you know, the uh, – Joe Flacco would be there. Joe Flacco would be talking right. to me right Joe now. Joe Flacco, he would be talking to you. It would be a different story. Yeah. Have fun in Norman. Always great to talk to you, Brady. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Week. Thanks for having me. It should be fun. That's Brady Quinn. Uh, big noon kickoff on Fox. They're going to be in Norman, Oklahoma, Iowa State against number 13, Oklahoma. Take a break. We got our play of the day, stat of the day. I want to know where Shohei Otani's season ranks all time because it's tricky because there aren't many guys who pitched and hit. There's Babe. But did Shohei Otani turn in one of the Five greatest seasons in baseball history. Modern baseball history. We'll take a break. Play of the day next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh my God! The play, the play, play. of the day. Runner left side, got it. Play it and play it. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Third down and five snap. He's back in the pocket. He fires across. Well, it's picked up by Kyle Van Noy, and he's going to take it to the right side, twenty to the fifteen, outside to the ten to the five, oh. and into the end zone. That is a third pick six for the Patriots in their last four games. That's courtesy of 98.5, the Sports Hub, the Patriots Radio Network. Kyle Van Noy also had two sacks last night. Two sacks and an interception. 
Defensive touchdown. Same game. Last time that happened for the Patriots, Andy Katzenmoyer. 1999, the former Ohio State Buckeye. Play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by Empower Your Investment Portfolio with opportunities in Puerto Rico. Impeller, a new online tool that connects investors with innovative projects on the island. Available now. Impeller is your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico. Learn more at investpr.org slash impeller. Poll question today, McLovin. Which NFL team feels most helpless this morning? Your choices are the Atlanta Falcons, the New York Jets, the Detroit Lions, or the Houston Texans. So early results, the Texans are leading. Okay. I don't know if there's a wrong answer here. (laughs) Um, You know, you factor in with just the overall feel of a franchise. Like the Jets have had that, uh, the Lions, uh. Falcons have had some highs and some of the lowest lows, and the Texans have had highs and some of the lowest lows. I think if the Texans had traded Deshaun Watson, gotten that away from the franchise, and then you're able to move on, then I would take them off the list. But you still have the Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, the Falcons, we thought they were going to take a quarterback. They took Kyle Pitts, who might turn out to be a great player. Certainly looks like that, but not a good offensive line. Matt Ryan probably looked around and went, what am I doing? Um, yeah, I say you can't go wrong with those picks. I'd probably still look at the Jets. You bring in a defensive-minded head coach. And they're giving up 40 points a game. And I know you don't have your you know, starting quarterback, but still, you're supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach. And they have been embarrassing. Yeah, Paul. If you're the Texans, if you're a Texans fan, don't you feel some hope that we're at the very bottom, which is where you want to be to rebuild, and you might get three first-round draft picks or more for your quarterback and have a huge rebuilding process with a lot of draft capital? If you had traded Deshaun Watson, it feels like it feels like it's imminent in 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 February. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm overselling it. I don't know. But if I'm a Falcons fan, what what are we doing here? Well, our good buddy Ross Tucker tweeted: the Falcons have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. How many of their guys would start for your team? Not many. Arthur Smith and Matty Ice deserve a lot of credit for getting them to four wins and competitive almost every week, except for the last two weeks. Yes, McLevin. I agree with you on the Texans. The fact that they didn't trade Deshaun makes them feel very hopeless. Because what if he gets in criminal trouble and they never get anything for him? Man, I would have gotten out from underneath that. Just here's give us three picks, uh, maybe a second round pick, a conditional second round pick or whatever it is. Let me just move away from this, because whenever somebody says Texans, you say Deshaun Watson. And it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, Paul. Going back to the Texans, uh, less than two years ago, 22 months ago, they were up 24 to zero on the Chiefs in a playoff game. Yikes. Bryce Harper got the MVP, as we thought. And Shohei Utani, the unanimous pick, which we thought that he would be the uh, MVP. I thought baseball had a good day yesterday because these are people you know. You know Bryce Harper, you know Shohei Utani. You do not know the Cy Young winners. 
You don't know Corbin Burns and Robbie Ray. Don't know who they are. Didn't have magical seasons. Otani had one of the top five seasons, I'm guessing, in baseball history. But it's certainly the most unique season in sports. Uh, He's one of just six players all time with 45 home runs and 25 stolen bases in the same season. Bonds, Walker, Canseco, Chipper Jones, Alfonso Soriano, and then uh, Shohei Otani. Also, if you follow war and you care about uh, wins above replacement, he's in the top 25 this season, both as a hitter and a pitcher. And the only other comparison, like I would put Bonds this season when he hit 73 home runs. He was intentionally walked over 200 times. <laughs> so one out of every three times he comes to the plate, he's either hitting a home run or he's hit or he's getting walked. Um, that to me was an incredible, crazy season. Now, was he artificially enhanced? Yeah, in my opinion, he was. Uh Otani was a pitcher, and, I mean, he was a really good pitcher. He's one of 16 pitchers with at least 150 strikeouts, 50 fewer walks, and an ERA under 320. So, I mean, those are really impressive pitching numbers. The hitting numbers are great. Did Otani turn in the greatest individual season in baseball history? Modern baseball history. Rory in Tampa joins us. Hey, Rory, what's on your mind? Hey, Pat, I mean, Dan, sorry. I was just wondering, uh, where does Salvador Perez fit into this? Guy wasn't even selected in the top three, but yet he was 20 points higher on batting average, led the league in home runs and RBIs. Yeah, I know. We had a great season, you know, setting the all-time record, I think. But um, thanks for the phone call. This is Otani was doing something that's crazy. It was magical. I mean, he did something that resonated globally. Salvador Perez, nice story. 48 home runs, big deal. I mean, it is. That's a big deal. But Otani was magical. Yeah, McLovin. I did a quick Google search best single season of all time. Uh, it's from Bleacher Report. They have Babe Ruth, 1921. Uh, then they had actually Pedro Martinez in 2000. When, when he didn't win the uh, Cy Young and MVP? Didn't, didn't yes. Uh, yeah, he should have won both. Yeah. He was uh, incredible. And then third was uh, um, one Mickey Mantle season in 56. So I think they, they, they took Bonds out because of PDs, I'm imagining, because oh, okay. I don't see him on this list. Well, if I look at what Babe did in accordance to what the rest of the league did, then that might be the greatest season of all time. Because when you're hitting more home runs than an entire team back then, and you're pitching, yeah, McLovin. This was pre-Otani, this list, just FYI. Yeah. Otani's in the top five. That's one of the top five seasons, I think, of all time. We'll check in on the Lakers coming up, and Darius Rucker will stop by, Mr. Grammy. We're back after this, Dan Patrick Show. 
One more item as we close out hour one, Simply Safe Home Security. Take advantage of this. It'd be a great holiday gift for yourself if you wanted to. And take advantage of Simply Safe's early Black Friday deals. Get 50% off your new home security system. You visit simplysafedan.com. They've been partners of ours for over a decade now. And U.S. News and World Report must have listened to the show because they reviewed Simply Safe and called it the best home security system of 2021. Customize that system for your home online and you can do it in minutes. You set it up. That's the simple part of it. And then biggest discounts of the year, complete home security system starting at just over $100. No long-term contracts, commitments, no hidden fees, no pushy salespeople. It's really easy to start feeling a lot more peace of mind. So take advantage of Simply Safe's early Black Friday deals and get 50% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafedan.com. Simplysafedan.com, 50% off your entire system.